Good morning, church. If you have your Bible, find your place in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 14. Luke 14 on this summer morning. May the Lord bless you. We're honored to have you here with us. If you're a guest, as Pastor Todd mentioned earlier, we want to honor you. Please let us know more about you. We'd love to have more information so that we can minister to you and help you in any way that you would need us so that we can help you. You'll find here a group of people who love the Lord and we love other people and we would, we would be honored to do our part in helping you. Vacation Bible School was wonderful and we praise the Lord for it. So many wonderful mission opportunities took place right here in Dixon. Uh, we met many uh, uh, families who do not have a church home. It was great. We got to visit with them and we're thankful for that. And so the seeds of the gospel were planted and watered and we praise the Lord for that. And the boys and girls had a great time and did so good. It was good for us to be together. Now we continue to look at these everyday stories of the Lord Jesus Christ. They come in such strange and unusual places. Now we find the Lord Jesus at a table. He's having a meal with a famous group of Pharisees and lawyers, the famous people, wanted to meet with the Lord Jesus. And it's amazing what you discover when you, uh, when you have meals with people. And so we'll talk about that in a moment. Let's read these words first of all and get them in our minds so that we see the story that the Lord Jesus tells at the table. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse number 1. It happened that when he, that is the Lord Jesus, went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees. Please notice the leaders of the Pharisees. On a Sabbath to eat bread. They were watching him closely. And there in front of the Lord Jesus was a man suffering from uh, dropsy. And so Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? This man who was suffering from what we call edema, dropsy edema. <clears throat> but they kept silent and he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them again, Which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? And they could make no reply to this. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests. Now notice this is the story to the invited guests of this famous, uh, famous leader of the Pharisees and the lawyers who were there. Began speaking a parable, a story, an everyday story to the invited guests when he noticed how they were picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place. So that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table 
with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And again, we read verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, Heavenly Father, we all glory and all praise. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we honor you. Hallowed be your name. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our Savior. We come before you at the table of the Lord today, here in this place, as we hear these words that you spoke at a table in the world many years ago. May these truths, may this spiritual truth of honor and disgrace, of pride and humility, stick in our minds today. Help us to examine ourselves. If we are living in pride today, forgive us of our sin of pride. May you make us like the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Give us humility so that we might be the people of God in this world, properly behaving in front of the lost world and to one another to honor and glorify Jesus. We pray for the boys and girls who prayed to receive Christ this past week and who Learn more about the Lord Jesus. May they grow in their grace and knowledge of Him. Thank you for our teachers and their labors. A long week, but a good week. We pray again for the least of the the least of these these foster children scattered across Middle Tennessee. We think of Don, our friend, who came and spoke to us, and all those workers. Bless them all. The labors that go into it, and may we do our part as a church to step forward and help in this urgent matter. We thank you, Lord, for being with us, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, now be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. The focal truth today from that I'm going to lift from this everyday story of the Lord Jesus is this, that humility is honored by God and pride is resisted by God. So this is for every one of us today. What did the Lord say in verse 11, my dear friends? For everyone, this includes now everyone here, This includes everyone here. For everyone who exalts himself. This is a matter of self-examination today for all of us. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And and everyone, it's implied in verse 11, the last half. And everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, Jesus has been invited. This was not unusual. In the Gospels, we have the Lord Jesus invited to the table many times. He's invited to... A famous uh, leader of the Pharisees, famous lawyers, uh, they were there on Sabbath having their meal together after synagogue. Uh, this, uh, this matter of eating together, the Lord, you know, this is, I want to begin to say this at the beginning because sometimes we have to ask, why in the world would the Holy Spirit of God prompt Luke to place this story in a, in a gospel? It's just simply the story of some people picking out places at a table, trying to be famous around famous people. And why, why would this be important? Why would the Lord take the time to speak a parable at the table? You see, I want to remind you some of the most important truths of the Lord Jesus were spoken when he was having a meal with someone. Some of the most significant acts in his ministry on the earth happened while he was at a table. So we have one of the table talks of the Lord Jesus 
here today. He's observing those who are coming in to be among these famous people. It's amazing what happens when you have a meal with people, when you sit down and eat. This is why you need to work on it. And I know it's hard with children. I know it's hard with children to get them to eat and you probably have to do it in different ways and be creative. But, you know, it's time to uh, revive the table if you don't have it at your house, sometime a meal once a day. You get a lot of information out of children when you have a meal with them. Well, they'll tell you what mom and dad did or didn't do all day. They'll tell you what they saw, what they heard. It's amazing what happens <clears throat> while they're eating their taco or whatever you're having for them. They're, here they are. They're, it's amazing what you see. It's amazing the human, uh, the, the human condition of people. And the, one of the best places to see uh, on display human nature is when you're eating food. I'm not talking here about manners, even though it's important for us to teach our children and our grandchildren where, where, where the forks go and where the spoon and knife go and which way you pass the food. All those things are important in manners and putting our uh, napkin in our lap. This is not lost to other generations. You need to do it. Your children figure out how to do it. Pray at the table because at the table we discover different things. Some people can't stop talking while they're stuffing food in their mouth. Others don't say anything at all. They just put their head down and put on the feed bag and there they go. They just keep going. But you see, you learn lots of things about human nature. And here they are at this uh, famous meal. Oh, how the Pharisees and lawyers, the famous ones, wanted to be with this famous rabbi, the Lord Jesus. They had their own reasons and motivations. But this is more than a talk about table manners. And by the way, this is more than a, a story to help you know how to go to a dinner and sit in the right place. If that's all you get from this, you've missed the whole point of it. You see, the Lord uses stories and sometimes he exaggerates in the story to make a point. He exaggerates. The story is an exaggeration to prick your mind. So today I want you to think about this table talk of the Lord Jesus. How would it be for us? Well, the observations are very simple and it's just the uh, verses of the story, 8, 9, and 10. Number one, everyone who seeks to be first is a self-promoter. This is what we learn uh, from this story. Number one, everyone, and that includes all of us because we're all self-promoters, because we all have sin. Everyone who seeks to be first is a self-promoter. Seeking to be first, being first, I'm the first one, I go first. It's me, myself, and I. Everyone who seeks to be first is a self-promoter. Number two, every self-promoter will be humble. This, this, is a, this is a spiritual principle the Lord gives in verse 11 that crosses all lines. It's work-related, it's family-related, it's relationally related. It has to do with all of the relationships of our life, not just what happens at a dinner, not just happen, what happens if you're embarrassed by sitting in the wrong place at an invited dinner. You see, finally, everyone who humbles himself will be honored. Again, the focus is upon me, himself. So the Lord uses these people. Notice what they're doing. Again, in verse 7. They're, 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 he noticed how they were picking out their places of honor at the table. Maybe they were trying to get a selfie with their famous lawyer or Pharisee there. Oh, they didn't, have, they didn't do selfies. 
But now we discover ourselves living in the age of self-promotion, don't we? The Word of God says to us in the last days, and this is very serious, our behavior, the behavior you see among people today demonstrates the times in which we live. All times are not the same. These are the last days. These are very urgent days for us. The Lord didn't talk about coming again if it was just a spiritual thing. He talks about coming again to the earth. This is a very important matter to the Lord Jesus. We'll see more about it next week. But the reality is that here we are in a world filled with self-promotion. Paul says in another place, in the last days, men will be lovers of self. We live in an exaggerated time of self-love. An exaggerated time of self-love rather than lovers of God. So perhaps they would have taken, maybe they could in their day get an autograph or or somehow they would just be remembered by sitting by the famous lawyers and Pharisees and perhaps wanting to sit by Jesus. What a famous thing that would be. They could tell all their friends, I sat by the famous Rabbi Jesus. They were all doing this for these purposes. I was thinking about self-promotion and I was reading this week about selfies. Now, I grew up in a time before phones, cell phones. I grew up in a time before the internet. I grew up in a time before there were computers. I grew up in a time when the phone was hooked to the wall and you had one place you go to it. I grew up an old person. I'm an old man. I don't ever remember anybody taking a Polaroid camera and turning it around trying to take a picture of themselves. Maybe we did. I don't know. Perhaps we did. But now we carry phones and we take selfies with our phone. 93 million selfies are made per day worldwide. The average person takes 450 selfies per year. We are absorbed with ourself because we can do it. And we make all of our faces and we do all the things and we do all the whatever you do with a phone and you do all of these things. I don't know if I've ever taken a selfie with my phone. Maybe I don't know what you, I don't even know how to do it. They tell me you turn it and make a screen change and you can do these things. 450 selfies a day. We text about ourselves. On average, the average person texts three times a day, excuse me, three times an hour, which adds to 72 texts per day. Now you mathematicians can add that up. We Facebook about ourselves or whatever else we do, we Instagram ourselves or whatever these things are we do on all these things, whether they're young or old, we find these ways. It's self-expression, we say. No, it's self-absorption. It's making the point that, hey, I'm here. Does anybody want to pay attention to me? It's the childish idea that, hey, I, I want you to all pay attention. So the child throws a fit so that everybody knows that the child is there. It's what the Lord said at another time about the people of, this, of his age and his time. It was like the child who played the song and no one danced and they were so sad. We live in a world where people want everybody to pay attention to them. To pay attention to their things, to their achievements, to their work. It is a time of great self-absorption. And it is greater now than at any other time. The world is self-absorbed self-obsessed, self-righteous, and self-promoters. And all of that comes from sin within our lives. So I'm going to ask you to look at 
several verses today in our time. Now, the first one is in Luke chapter 11. I want you to see the self-promoting hypocrisy of the Pharisees. The Lord spoke to this very clearly. He did not mince his words when he talked to Pharisees who were filled with this matter of exalting themselves. Luke 11, just turn back in your Bible, Luke 11. And the Lord Jesus now is speaking at a lunch again, a table talk. Here are the things he says as he's reclined at the table. And he is speaking to them why they were worried because the Lord Jesus didn't ceremonially wash, ceremonially wash his hands before he had his meal. They were really upset because the Lord didn't wash his hands. And the Lord begins and says to them something very important for us as it relates to exalting ourselves and being self-promoters. Again, everyone, number one, everyone who seeks to be a self-promoter, everyone who seeks to be first is a self-promoter. Now, what does the Lord say? Now, you Pharisees, clean out the outside of the cup and of the platter. But inside you are full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity, and then all things are clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, and yet disgrace justice and the love of God. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the chief seats in the church, in the synagogue. And all the respectable greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like concealed tombs, and the people who walk over them are unaware of it. You see, self-promotion is pride-filled. Self-promotion is hypocrisy. It's pretending. You see, when I'm a hypocrite, I'm a poser and a pretender. When I'm a hypocrite, I'm a religious poser and pretender. I pose to be something I'm really not. You see, the self-promoter hides and keeps secrets. I live in the dark world a certain way and out in the world, but I live in church the other way. All smiley, happy. Why, that's a spiritual man. But on the outside, living with others, wicked, godless. Self-promotion are those who disobey God. They don't going to promote the Word of God, and they're going to promote themselves. If I'm promoting myself, I'm disobeying the Word of God. So did the Pharisees. They were all practical about the outside ties, but they had no place for justice and the love of God. If you love God, you don't self-promote. Self-promoting is seeking the respect of others. You see, this is the word we hear endlessly in the world today. I want respect. I want respect. I want respect. Self-absorption demands self-respect. Self-promotion avoids humility. People don't generally, don't generally take selfies with people that are the least of these, those that aren't famous and those who uh, won't impress other people for their association. You see, these Pharisees demonstrate the danger, my friends, of seeking to be first. That's what they were doing at the table. They were trying to be first. They were seeking to be first. Hey, I'm going to get this place. I'm pushing and shoving trying to be first. You see, those who self-promote, listen, I'm talking to you now. You can tell the qualities and characteristics of a self-promoter. They do what they do in order to be first. They treat other people in such a way that they can be first. They can be noticed. This is not something that's happening just down here in the preschool. This is happening among adults, even in this church. 
doing what I do so that I'm noticed, doing what I'm doing, uh, controlling the, the other people in my life so that I can be first, so that my words matter the most, so that I get my way. Self-promotion is the manipulation of situations in order that I can be first. The world is filled with those who don't want to be last. I asked Pat, we had to go to Walmart yesterday. And I stayed in the car. We had to go to Walmart. So I asked Pat when she got out, you got on your helmet when you go in there? You got your steel toe shoes on? You don't know what I'm talking about. Have you been to Walmart lately? It's pushing, it's shoving, it's not excuse me. No, you go first. It's get out of my way. That's the way it is in the world. Get out of my way. I'm first. Get out of my way. I'm in a hurry. Get out of my way. I got an agenda. Get out of my way. How can I best describe the sinfulness of our world? Nobody wants to be second. Nobody wants to be last. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For someone more distinguished than you may have been invited. That's verse 8. Secondly, every self-promoter will be humbled. Here's the lesson now. Here's the lesson. The rule of honor and disgrace. The rule of honor and dishonor. You better remember this, boys and girls. It's important for you. Yes, I know you're sad when you're not noticed as first. I know you're sad when you think everybody else is, is getting recognition and you're not. But you see, when we follow the Lord Jesus, we live with humility. Being first is not the most important matter. Being first is not the most important matter. He says in verse 9 of the story, he says, And the one who invited you will come and say to you, Give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you'll, pre you'll proceed to occupy the last place. We not only see this kind of human behavior about being first and sitting in the, in the good seats uh, at, at a meal, but you see it uh, all the time in, in public places, you know, at the theater, music, or, or ball games. Ball games. I remember being at a, uh, at a baseball game. By the way, it's, baseball is the only real sport. It is the only real sport. Baseball. Go Braves, I would say that. Go Braves. It's the only real sport. I was at this, I was at this uh, professional game, and it was a privilege to go. I was very excited to get to go. Don't get to go very often. And we were sitting up behind the, the, the pitcher and the, the catcher, but we were, up, we, were in the, we were in the cheap seats. But these guys were sitting behind us. Well, when it didn't fill up, they snuck down. They got themselves right down there by the, right there by the catcher. The problem is that those ball games they have ushers. And they stand at those little gates. Well, one of them had slipped away. They went down there. And then the usher came and found them and disgracefully led them out from those good seats back to the cheap seats. You see, everyone who self-promotes, everyone who wants to go first will experience humiliation. This is a divine spiritual principle. No one gets away with self-promotion. Now, I'm going to have you turn quickly to two places in your Bible because I want you to read these and mark them because they're examples. I could have given you many examples of the proud being humiliated, but I'm going to give you two Old Testament examples for the, lack of, uh, for the sake of our time. And I want you to turn. The first one is in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. You have to go over there quickly. 
Daniel chapter 4 in your Bible. I want you to see the humiliation of the self-promoter, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now in, Neb in Daniel's time, King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4, King Nebuchadnezzar was the most famous, powerful king in the world. He controlled the world. He was a ruler of the world empire. There were no other kings to match him. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter number four. Now notice, if you're there, we see him walking on his palace roof. He had a beautiful palace and on the top he had a roof area. I'm sure with lush uh, kinds of vines and ferns and he had places to relax and servants and there he is. Uh, Daniel 4, 29, 12 months later, he was a year later after Daniel had revealed to him and interpreted his vision. A year later, it's amazing what happens a year after you hear the word of God. <clears throat> Twelve months later, he's walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Here we read it. The king reflected and said, is this not Babylon the great? He probably had his hands out looking. There it is. Is not this Babylon the great, which I, please read the words carefully, the words of a self proud self-promoter, the great Babylon, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. Is this not Babylon? I've done all this. I did it all. It's me. It's all mine. I built it. It's by my power, I'm the one, I'm the one. Look at me, while the word was in his mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. You will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle and seven periods will pass over you until you recognize that, here it is, the most high, the most high, when you think you're high, the most high, when you think you're high, be careful. Pride is looking over everyone. Pride is saying, I'm the highest. When the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind, he, he, he bestows it on whomever he wishes. And then we read, of the amazing transformation, the fall of great Nebuchadnezzar. Fingernails grow, he looks like a beast, hair, what a mess. And he's on all four eating alongside the cows in the field. If you don't think that God takes seriously pride, here's an example, but I have another for you that's continuing to this day and will be finally done when the Lord Jesus comes, Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14, we look at the humiliation of Lucifer, the angel who in rebellion rebelled against God and sought to be equal to God and does the same day as the devil lie to mankind and try to build his own kingdom. But one day when the Lord Jesus comes, hallelujah, there is a great fiery place a fiery eternal place where the devil will be finally thrown forever into that place. Isaiah 14, we won't read it all. This is addressed to the king of Babylon. This is, this is, uh, this is the God of this world, the one who controls and ru rules this world. God speaks to him. 
Verse 12, how you have fallen from heaven. You see, he was great and glorious as this angelic being, gloriously created by God as Lucifer. O star of the morning, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, notice just like Nebuchadnezzar, you know where pride starts? Starts in your mind. Starts when you say, you know what? I'm better than all these people. You know, I'm the best. You know, I'm the smartest. I'm the most spiritual. I'm the most godly. I walk with God. I know the way to go. I know everything. Everyone should follow me. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. <clears throat> I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I'm going to be equal to God. You see Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes shame. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low. How many examples do we have to see in the news of people who have been proud and arrogant in their ways and end up failing and being disgraced and falling from failure, for failure to obey God and live for God. Isaiah 2, 12 says, the Lord of hosts, will have a day of reckoning for everyone who is proud and lofty. You see, there's a great white throne of judgment coming. One day, the heavens and the earth will flee away in dread and terror of the fear of God's judgment, the white throne judgment. And there will stand the dead proud from every generation that has ever lived. The books will be opened and they'll look. Where is their name in the book of life? And it will not be found. And they will be thrown in a devil's hell in the lake of fire forever. What is the destiny of the lost proud? What is the destiny of those who will not bow the knee to the Lord Jesus? It is hell. The Lord Jesus is reminding us something today, friends, that's very important. He's not just helping you with your manners. He's not just helping you how to go to a meal and be right. He's saying everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. <clears throat> now I must finish <clears throat> because the last observation is greatly important. Everyone who humbles himself will be honored. When you're invited... And go and recline at the last place. Now, again, the Lord's exaggerating this to make a point. <clears throat> go to the last place so that when the one who has invited you, he, he comes and he says to you, friend, move up. Then you will, <clears throat> you'll have honor inside of all who are at the table. The Lord's not giving here a manipulative way to get honor in front of people. He's, he's, he's exaggerating in order to make the point. It doesn't matter where you sit. It doesn't matter what place you have. You'll be honored as you're honored. Where honor is due, honor comes. Let God produce that when it comes. Leave that in the hands of God. What did the Lord Jesus do? He humbled himself. Here we are at the table. We're about to take, we're about to come to the table of the Lord. What does the Lord, what does the Lord do for us? Well, Paul says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
What is it I remember every time I come to the table of the Lord? He humbled himself. If Listen now, this is very important. If I'm a follower of Jesus, listen, I humble myself. I don't need you to humble me. I don't need others to humble me. And I don't need to humble you. I humble myself. This is the practice of godliness. This is the practice of a holy way of living. I humble myself. I follow the Lord Jesus. I cannot be perfect as he was, but I humble myself. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, Humble yourself, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. The emphasis on humble yourself. The great spiritual discipline of all followers of Jesus for our fruitfulness and effectiveness is humbling ourselves. We practice self-humiliation every day. We practice self... Oh, the world says, what? You mean you're a follower of Jesus and you're going to humiliate yourself every day? Yes, because if I don't, I'll be nothing but a self-promoter every day of my life. I'm going to self-humiliate myself. How do I do it? Well, I confess my sin and my pride. I confess what's still in me every day. Woe to me. Paul says, how did he say it? He said, I've still got sin inside of me. I've got an old nature. Though I'm saved, I've got it in me. I've got capacity to do great sin. By the way, I'm speaking to every Christian in this room. You still have great capacity to sin, even if you've been saved. You are a sinner saved by grace. And so I look at myself. How do I humble myself? How do I practice self-humiliation? I remember every day to confess my sin. What did our Lord teach us in the disciples' prayer? Forgive us our debts. I have debts. I have debts. I have debts to God and debts to others because I've crossed the line and sinned against them. This is how you practice self-humiliation. You humble yourself and you consider other people as more important than you. <clears throat> you know, there's some, there, was a, there were a series of videos that came out called I Am Second. And they're good because it's talking about the Lord should be first. But actually, I submit to you, I'm not second. You're not second. We're last. You see, the Lord is first. Our neighbor is second. And we're last. We always go last. We always go last. We humble ourselves. Here's the best way to do it. You want to kill your flesh? Go serve other people. Let them set your schedule. Let them set your time. Let them set your priorities. You got to adjust and keep... What? When will I ever have time for myself? Oh, that's a really dangerous question you're asking. When will I have time for myself? Well, what are you going to do, myself? What are you going to do with your time, myself? You see, our time is to be spent as believers in humbling ourselves and saying, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to serve you? And I've, I've challenged you. Some of you have taken me up on it. Try to get those dear young people at the Chick-fil-A, uh, even though we can't get one out here. Try to, try to ask those children, those young people at the Chick-fil-A, try to throw them off their game and get them to say something else when you thank them for your food. And you know what? They'll, they'll never deter. They've been trained. You know what they say? It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Is it your pleasure to serve God and to serve everybody else? Is it your pleasure? I'm talking, it's a pleasure. Do, are you, do you enjoy the pleasure of making other people more important than you. 
This is the Christian way. We humble ourselves. We, we humble ourselves. We do not exalt ourselves. We are humbling ourselves before God and others. We humble ourselves because we do to others as we'd have them do to us. And we humble ourselves when we live in the loving fear of God. You see, God sees everything I do. Listen, everything you and I do, we do to the face of God. You know, sometimes we'll say to someone who's hurt us, why didn't you just say that to my face? But you see, everything you say, you say to the face of God. Everything you do, you do in the face of God. He knows your motivations. He knows your desires. He knows what you're trying to do. He knows whether you're poser, pretender, or real, or genuine. We're all doing these things before the face of God. He sees all that we do. You see... When I humble myself, I remember I do everything I do. I think everything I think, every motivation, every plan I do before the face of God. He sees everything. And when I humble myself, you know what I do? I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I bow the knee and I say, Lord, if this is your will for my life, if this is what you want me to do and be, this is what I'm going to be. And I'm going to do it to the glory of God. If I don't even have my full physical strength to do it, whatever you've given me, whatever you've Put in my life, this is what I'm going to do. So what do we remember from these words? Well, everyone is a self-promoter. You're talking, you're hearing a man who's a self-promoter because I'm a sinner saved by grace. I have it in me to self-promote. You have it in you to self-promote. Now we all got, we all in the common boat, aren't we? We're all living in the same boat. So now we're warned by the Lord Jesus, everyone who's a self-promoter will be humbled. Every self-promoter will be humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. We leave that with God. The proud self-promoter will not escape humiliation. Paul said it in another place this way. Let him who thinks he stands, are you, wait a minute, you may be in a dangerous, look, preaching is always something in the moment. I don't know what will happen in my life when I leave here and I don't know what will happen in your life when you leave here. We're, we're at a moment here. Paul said, let him who thinks he stands, wait a minute, if you're on the edge of a cliff now in your pride, if you're standing, let him who thinks he stands, well, I'm good. I know what to do. I got it all under control. I got my own plan. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody in this church. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. If you think you stand, Paul says, be careful. Watch out. You're about to fall. You're about to fall. Great will be the fall of those. The Lord Jesus said, if you're going to come to me, you've got to live a life of self-humiliation. If anyone comes to me, Luke 9, 23, you want to be a disciple of Jesus? It's more than singing praise. It's more than feeling good because he saved us. You see, the table reminds us of something. There is a, there is a powerful word coming from the table of the Lord. It's called self-humiliation. Putting everybody else before myself. Surrendering my life and humbling myself. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. You'll never be a follower of Jesus unless you first say, I am denying myself. The Lord said on another occasion, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
So today we're challenged by where we are. Self-promoting or living in humility. God honors the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Praise God. He gives grace. He gives mercy. He shows kindness. He extends His love to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Word of God. He gives us fellowship in the church. And one day, hallelujah, He honors us in heaven when it's our turn and when it's time. So we read today, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's a lot more than you'd ever think you were going to hear when somebody's sitting at the table talking about how people pick their seats. To the praise of the glory of His grace, we remember these words today. May it make a difference in our personal lives and in the life of this church. The Lord is near to the door. He is coming again. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus.